to the How Much Is Too Much podcast. My name is Alicia Taylor, and this is episode four called Casually Drunk. Um, I felt like this was a good episode to come off of the last episode, episode three, Boys and Bolognese, because there was a lot of um, alcohol involved with some of those dating decisions. And I also think that this is um, a topic in my own personal life that I've really had to hone in on, focus, and you know, understand my dynamic when it comes to drinking. And I think that there's a lot of people that can probably relate to this, but I do have some funny stories and also just some realness tied to this, um, that I've had to come to terms with in the last couple of years. And, um, I actually want to start this episode though, by, um, if you've been listening since episode one, or if you've listened to episode one, I said in that episode that I was like, you know, had to record that day because I was about to set myself up for promotion at work and I couldn't wait to record an episode in the future and say, and I got that damn promotion. Well, I got that damn promotion. Yes. I literally like manifestation. I 100% believe in, and I just, and and what's crazy is that it was not even the um, promotion that I was like focused on in the first episode I recorded but now it just feels like this is so right and just boss bitch energy, right? So I had to say that because I was so excited that in the first episode, I was putting it out there and being vulnerable and like being really bold in what I was saying. And then to come in only episode four to be like, I got that damn promotion. Goddess. I know. So jumping back into this episode, I think that this is this episode titled Casually Drunk is really a topic. Um, about being real about my own struggles with alcoholism. Um, I have a family history rooted in alcoholism and I have had my own personal battles, but also some funny stories when it comes to drinking, because ultimately like alcohol is just like a part of life and not for everybody. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of people that don't drink or they may have the occasional glass of wine, but then there's like a lot of us that like love to go out or like love to have our girls over and drink wine and you know wine I love my IPAs tequila is my cutie like you know me and alcohol we have a long history but we have a lot of ups and downs and there's been really funny stories about the dumb shit I've done but also some really real moments in my life where I had like these wake-up calls almost where I was like what the fuck are you doing and what are you doing it for And so this episode is really to share another vulnerable, you know, part about myself. It's not, hasn't always been this like really powerful and positive person. I've had big lows and I guess I'll just start it back to like, you know, me as a like child, like I said, like my grandma actually was, my mom's mom was an alcoholic and she died when my mom was 18. So I never met her. My mom growing up was a severe alcoholic and I dealt with 
a lot of traumas with that. And me and my mom have worked really, really hard for one. She's worked really hard for her sobriety and I'm very proud of her for that. And two, we've worked so hard for our relationship and where it's at now. My parents have been divorced since I was two. And I just, my mom, you know, used to, this is crazy, but my mom used to go out and would go to like a local bar and to start the night, she would get two shots of Bacardi 151 and a double Bacardi 151 and diet. That is how she started her night. So you can just imagine how much she was drinking. But the thing is, like my mom, just like myself, like genetically prone to alcoholism and actively an alcoholic, um, you know, she her tolerance was so high. She could drink so much, but she would always drink so much. And then she would be plastered. And I mean, I remember very vividly when I was like, I think like 10 and she came back and she was so she was blacked out and she had you know, said things to me that were just like the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I remember that feeling and she was like throwing up and I was like trying to take care of her. And I knew she wasn't like sick. I knew she was like fucked up in my head. I'm like, okay, she's like not herself right now and she's sick and I just have to take care of her and see if she remembers in the morning. And like, it's bad because my mom was really well off back then. And so she would say these things and I would carry these, the weight of this. And like, I have to help my mom and I have to protect my brother. And that was my mentality from a very young age. And so I would wait, you know, the next day we'd talk about it and she would be like, Oh, I don't remember. And it's because she was blacked out, but I remembered very vividly and it weighed on me intensely. And so she would buy me things. And my mom didn't realize she was doing that pattern. My mom, you know, had to have her own wake up calls in her own life. And we've talked about things. And, you know, my mom has been through some terrible things in her childhood. Like there are so many different triggers and um, things that can put set you up to fall into the kind of like alcoholic pattern. And I think that I don't I don't think that everybody's an alcoholic. If you're like getting drunk and having a good time, I also don't think alcohol is for everybody. And my mom is one of those people. Alcohol is not for her. She can't just have a glass of wine because it turns into, you know, the bottle. And and then she just, she spirals from there. And we have worked, like I said, really, really hard for our bond and our honesty and our trust in each other. And she has done so much better. And we are just, we're so close now. I'm so thankful for that. And the thing is like, my mom has slipped up, you know, like even in recent years and wasn't sober and she was real with me about it, you know, and she was real with herself about it. And that was the most inspiring thing to me. I'm like, you aren't, you aren't just like pushing this under the rug of like, oh, well, I'm just, it's fine. It's fine. Like you knew it wasn't, but you also knew that like, like that she was, you know, falling back into old patterns. So, you know, my dance with the devil, as I'll say it, is like reference it starts like at a very young age. And then, you know, as I get older, um, I get into my teen years and my mom worked third shift. She's sober at this point in life. And, you know, I was hanging out with the wrong people and I was getting rebellious. I was sneaking out like you do when you're a teenager. But again, my narrative with alcohol and my triggers with alcohol are different than the normal perspective or the normal, di- normal dynamic. And so 
I end up like hanging out with these people that were like, we're stealing bottles of liquor straight out of like the grocery store. We are, I'm watching out for my friends, guy friends to break into people's cars. And that's like run off after stealing from like just these random cars. And now I'm like, that's so fucked up. I couldn't imagine coming out to my car and shipping stolen. Like that just sucks. And I was condoning that. And I was getting like plastered, like putting myself in bad situations at 14. And like the last straw was my mom, uh, worked third shift. It was a really bad storm. My brother came into my room to find me and I'd stuff my bed with like pillows and stuffed animals to make it look like a body. And he immediately called my dad when he realized it wasn't me and I was grounded. So it was like a triple whammy. And he's like, Alicia's not here. And so they came to the next, the neighbor's house next door, which I was at this guy's house. Um, and his parents were at home and I'm plastered. I was so fucked up at 14 when my dad got there that he had to call the cops. I made a whole scene. I had to go into like a hospital drunk tank where they like had me cuffed, but they were like putting an IV in me for like, for me to get hydrated and sober up. So that was like one, one wake up call. Cause then my mom kicked me out and you would think like, okay, I get kicked, kicked out essentially. My dad also was like, you have to move in with us now. Me and my brother move. I move away from all my friends and they're still my, they're still my girls. Like my girls from freshman year high school are my, like my girls, like we're ride or die. But I changed schools and I'm like, I don't care. I'm 15. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to meet new people here. I'm going to party. I'm still going to do whatever I want. Like you can't stop me. And I remember this was like super pivotal in my life. I remember one of my friends from my old school, she had um, called me and she's like, my dad knows about everything you did. He knows about you, um, like the drinking and you getting in trouble. And he says, we can't be friends anymore because her dad was really strict. And we, her and I did drink together like in high school, but we kept it under wraps. Like it was like super secret. And so I remember that moment. I, the room felt like it was spinning and I was in my aunt's kitchen. I remember it very vividly and the room felt like it was spinning. Not like I was going to pass out, but just like slow motion. And in that moment, I just felt it. And I was like, this is not worth it. Drinking and getting into this shit is not worth losing this friendship. And so I got sober and I know that sounds really weird and crazy to say when I'm like 15 years old, but legitimately I was straight edge a sophomore, junior and senior year of high school. And I curated a whole new different group of friends that we were all sober to in my new school. But then I would still hang out with my girls from my old high school and have sleepovers with them and they would drink, but they would respect my boundaries. And I truly to the point thought this was going to be who I was for the rest of my life. Like I was like, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't smoke. I even got a drug-free tattoo on my shoulder. And I was like, this is me forever at 18. <laughs> You're like, it's probably not a good idea to do that. I was like, you don't know me. Like, this is who I am. I will say, <laughs> if you know me, you're probably laughing at this right now. But I will say that me making the decision to be sober those three years, it gave me the clarity to find happiness in like the small moments and to like understand my, my funny and my humor and my funniness or whatever. It let me tap into those things because I was sober. I wasn't distracting myself and I was hanging out with people that we were like being goofy kids. Like it was, I'm very thankful for that decision that I really could have just kept rebelling, but like it took one friendship to be like a wake up call for me. Then, you know, I go through high school, I'm sober. And then I'm I'm going to college. I'm like not I get out of like me and my high school sweetheart, we break up and 
Then I get into college and I'm like, all right, let, let's just see. Let's just see. So then I start drinking again and, you know, partying with this drug free tattoo on my shoulder. But when I, it was like kind of like when I first started like hitting the college going out scene, you know, we have like fake IDs and stuff or we're going to tea night or pregame really hard before we go. I had, I had like made up for the time that I wasn't drinking in high school. And like, when we would go out, I was getting blasted, like blackout. We're like, what's Alicia going to do tonight? Like perfect example was this time we went out downtown in Columbus. And I think it was like one of the weeknights, you know, for college night where everybody went every and the same people went every week, <laughs> every single week, just to go dance in the club and be like filthy sweaty. Like all of us, me and my girls would leave and we would just be drenched. Our hair was wet. It looked like we our eyeliner dragging um, because we're hammered and just dancing the night away, like full workout status. And so this one night I pregame so hard. I get hammered. Like I'm blacked out essentially, but I'm standing, <laughs> I'm dancing on the center bar inside this like club. And I, fall into the inside of the bar. And if you've ever bartended or if you've ever like sat and drank it or eaten at a bar, the bar bottles, like the liquor bottles have those metal pour tabs on them. When I tell you I fell and punctured my back with several of these bottles off rip. And that should have been like the time that I like got up and like fled the scene and found my friends out of pure embarrassment. No, what did I do? I took my shoe and stepped into the ice the ice that would be used to make drinks for the people in the room and got myself back onto the bar. Not only did I get myself back onto the bar to continue to, I'm putting air quotes up dance because like, I can't imagine that my sloppy ass was doing any rhythmic motion, <laughs> but I didn't fall not a second time, but a third time. And the third time was the charm because I literally blasted and fell on a bartender's head. And he goes, that's it. You're out. And I was like, I'm out. And I get, as I'm like getting like escorted out, I see a girl that looks like my friend, my best friend. And I look at this girl and I'm like, I'm getting kicked out. And the girl's terrified. She's like, okay, like, good luck. And again, so hammered that when I get, they do kick me out. I see one of my guy friends and I have him help me to jump over the fence. And then I run inside and hide in a corner bar and text my friends and tell them to come find me. So again, crazy stories. Like that's just one of many in college. And so for me, I kind of started to fit this narrative of, oh, that's Alicia. She's crazy. Like that's our crazy friend, you know, and I was overweight and I didn't take care of myself. Like working out was not a priority. Eating healthy did not have any idea what that was. And we're just like bodying alcohol at this point, you know, in college. So of course, like freshman 15, all that, I definitely put that on. And now I'm just like hammered, like out in the streets being fucking psycho. And so then, you know, getting out of college, like I'm, I'm 22 and when do we graduate college? Is it like 23 years old? I don't know, but I'm 22 at this point. And, and this next kind of like what I call like an aha moment when with alcohol, like, again, I don't have like the normal narrative with it because like genetically when I, people get a drink, right. They'll have like a glass of wine and they're like, mm, I, used to not be able to just have a glass or two. It was like, oh, I had a glass. I want a second. Oh, now the second has, I have a buzz. Now I want to drink. Let's keep it going. And that always kind of played out. And I would be like something really casual would turn into me coming home, like hammered or blacking out and being so hungover the next day. And that's why, 
again, kind of tying back to like the title name, like casually drunk. It's like, I realized that like, this wasn't casual for me, um, just a couple years ago. And like, I had to face myself, but when I was 22, I, again, my, you know, I told you about my mom's dynamic. I'm really, really proud of her. Very close with her. But my dad and I, I've always been a daddy's girl. So like, he's like my best friend and we hang out all the time and we talk all the time and we just have a really good time together. Like you've met me, you've met my dad. He's fucking hilarious. Um, but he's like a party boy, a, a serious party boy. And he was growing up. Like that's what my dad is. My dad's like bachelor, like literally loves to like, go out drink to music. Like that man is like always up for a good time. And he had asked me that, that when I was 22, he was like, Oh, come see me tonight. Like come stay the night. And hang out, watch a movie and, you know, and have some drinks tonight. I haven't seen you in a while. And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm going to stay with my then boyfriend. Um, I'm staying at his house. And my dad's like, please like, just come meet me. I'm like, all right, I miss you. I'll come. I drive to him and he was already out at the bar, like in town, like right near his house. In fact. So I drove there to meet him directly and I already get there and he's like lit. And so I start catching up and drinking. Mind you again, I drove there and we start like um we ended up getting like a pizza and I put a accidentally put a bunch of red pepper flakes on it well like made my dad so nauseous he went outside I got him some water and he sat in my car for a second I'm like well we can just go he's like no I'll be in in a second so I go back in again at this point I'm buzzed I just start ripping shots of the bartender I mean I'm not even paying attention to time or that my dad hasn't come back in I close down the bar with this bartender come out to my car. My dad's like passed out. So I'm like, Oh, I feel bad. I don't want to make him walk the 12 minute walk. Like I think at most it has to be like a 12 to 15 minute walk to get from this bar restaurant to my dad's house. But I decided to drive and I get into the car and I was hammered and I get to the light and the light was taking. So I remember this, the light was taking so long to turn that I just was like, fuck it. This is taking too long. I'm shooting it. And so I just go through the red light and I'm now entering his neighborhood. Like, this is how close. And I was like, looked over and he was like slumped, but he was like awake. So I'm like, oh, you're a pussy. You can't handle your alcohol. Well, as I'm like, you know, talking shit to him, I like, I'm turning my head, I'm pulling the steering wheel and all of a sudden it's like, boom. And I'm like, oh my fuck. I just ran up a curb. So I go to back up. And as I go to back up, there is like this screeching noise. And then I can see that my hood on my passenger side is just folded up on my passenger side window. And I'm like, and I turn over and I'm like, dad, oh my God. And when I look, my dad's not in the passenger seat any longer. And I immediately go, dad. So I go to turn the car around. Well, I did not hit a curb. I hit a parked truck and the way I hit it, it cut my brakes somehow. And so when I go, went to turn and like break, I couldn't break. My brakes wouldn't work. So I tapped another car. Now I'm facing down the road, facing the accident. And I see this man running towards me and I'm like, dad, dad. And this guy goes, I'm not your fucking dad. Give me your keys. Mind you, it's like three in the morning at this point or like two 30. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And he just tells me to like, sit down on the curb. Please come. My dad's at the other end of the street, like at, in pain, I guess this guy's telling me he's like laid out on the street. The ambulance comes. Um, I, end up telling the cops like they're literally like oh like we're not gonna do a sobriety test on you I'm like I literally said sir wasted like it wasn't this clear I'm like, like sir, <laughs> suddenly I'm sober sir listen I'm like 
sir, I am not going to pass the sobriety test. I know for a fact that I'm not going to, like, I'm not even going to be able to walk the line. He's like, well, we have to at least try. I'm like, great. I will try, but I will not make it far. I immediately took two steps and like almost fell over. Like, no. And then he's like, how much have you had? What have you had to drink? I'm like, five shots and four beers. Oh, seven shots and three beers. Like every time he asked me, it changes, but it's still like, I'm just straight up. I'm like, this is my car. I did this. Like, I'm just roasting myself. I'm like, I'm, I want to be arrested, sir. Thank you. And so I go to jail, obviously. And they convinced me that my dad had, um, was two broken ribs and a broken nose because I had ran over him when I backed up, which was not true. But then I'm like, I ran over my dad. I'm crying. And I ended up getting a DUI from the whole thing. And it's like, you know, any conscious, I think like aware person that doesn't have this, like, you know, I think like this unawareness of what alcohol it does and how it impacts you and that you, you are not in control when it comes to alcohol would be like, why the fuck would you not just walk? It's not like it was the dead of winter either. Like, why would we, you just not walk? Like, I would never even think to get in the car. I agree. I agree. Like I was just, I was not aware of myself. And so that was like one wake up call. But instead of me doing better, I started drinking and started like, you know, covering that up. And then when I was, um, I think it was like a year after my DUI, I'm downtown with my, for my birthday and downtown Columbus and my um, boyfriend at the time, he's like, I don't have my ID. I can't meet you at the bar you're going to. And I'm like, just get in, please. It's my birthday. I want to see you. I'm hammered already. Like, we've gone to um, the OSU Buckeye game that day. Like, I'm hammered. And so he get, somehow gets in by the time we get there. And then we go up to get a drink. I'm just, like, plastered. And then someone comes up to me, and they're like, oh, my God, your boyfriend is getting arrested. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? And I go outside, and there are five cops circling him. And he's on the ground screaming, why am I being arrested? Why am I being arrested? And no one's answering him. So I just like jump into action, hammered. And I'm like, why is he being arrested? And they're like, back up, back up. And every time they said it, I just like put my hands up and I backed up. And they're like, back up, back up. And I'm like, every single time I just kept backing up. Well, and I have to be honest about all points of view on this. He spit at a cop because they were like ignoring him, but circling him and had him in cuffs, but weren't telling him what was going on. And he was hammered too. And he did not spit on a cop, but he spit at a cop, which obviously is illegal. And they immediately took him and threw him down, face down into the concrete. You could hear his teeth like shatter and like not shatter, but chatter like against the concrete in his mouth. They hogtied him five cops knees in the back of him. He like is literally like, I can't breathe. Mind you, this is 2022 or 22. I'm 30. This is eight years ago. He's like, I can't breathe. And they just have their knees dug in his back. Well, when they, and then they put a bag over his head. So he's hogtied and he has like blood coming out of his teeth. He's crying at this point. My friend is like eye level trying to help him. But when they slammed him down, his shoe popped off. So I went to go put his shoe on for him. And they said, she's interfering, arrest her. So they slammed me down the ground. Not nearly as hard. Um, I'm a white woman. My ex is a black man. Just saying. I'm just being honest. Um, so they did not slam me down nearly as hard. Um, and it was just one cop who was taking care of me, not five. And so they ended up um, arresting me. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to be quiet, whatever. <laughs> this is a funny story because 
Again, I did get arrested, but when I got arrested for my DUI, I went into like a little like county, like two cell room that was like carpeted and was there for like just a couple hours. This incident though, I went to, was in Franklin County and they took me to Jefferson Pike, I think is the place. I might be making the name up, but I went from like, okay, I'm going to handle this. It's fine to, oh my fuck, I'm going to jail. (laughs) And then I'm like bawling when we get to where they're taking my picture, like somewhere out there, there is a mugshot of me, um, hysterically crying, like hysterically crying with like swollen eyes and, um, a birthday, a hot pink birthday dress on. And I was just bawling and I, while I'm bawling, still hammered, the girl like fingerprinting me. I'm like, your hair is so cute. <laughs> then they put me in like a drunk tank where I'm in like an orange jumpsuit. No, no bullshit. I'm in an orange jumpsuit. And they, <laughs> I'm sorry, but this story is just fucking gold. And then they're like, okay, off we go. I think, okay, I'm going into a cell with like another couple people or like maybe one other, but like I've never been in jail. I don't know. So as I go down the hallways, they take me to this room that has one window in it, a slit in the door for trays of food to fit through. And when they open it, it's like a 30 women are in this cell. The main part has like two metal um, picnic tables that are like, you know, put into the ground, two pay phones, a TV with plexiglass in the front. And then the other room was bunk beds, just filled with bunk beds. And then there was two toilets in the room, like open in the room and two showers that were like in, in the room, but like, you know, pushed into like a closet area, essentially like they were through and, um, but there was like no door on it. And so I am now, it is my birthday and I'm now thrown into a, cell with 30 women. And when I tell you, I thought like up until this point in my life, like I was like, Oh, I can handle my shit. Like <laughs> I'm good. Uh, 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 I am a bitch. I am a bitch. I want you to know that the first tray of food comes around and it's like powder milk. And I'm fucking hung- coming. Like I'm hung over and I don't have like water or anything. Um, and I'm like, have to throw up in the room bathroom with all the other ladies sitting there. And the first tray of food comes and it's like an egg, powder milk, and some other weird things. And like multiple women are like, can I have that? Can I have that? I'm like, take it away. I'm not hungry. The second tray comes. And again, even prior to some of the, the, the tray coming, some of them are like, can I have your bread? Can I have your powder milk? I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. Well, the third tray came and I was like, hey, there was a sealed fruit cup, y'all. A sealed fruit cup. And I was like, Mm, I need that. I haven't eaten all day. I've gotten sick. I need to put something in my body. And this girl comes up and she goes, can I have your fruit cup? And I go, oh, oh, um, the the fruit cup. She's like, yeah, can I have it? And I was like, I, hmm, I actually want to keep the fruit cup. And she goes, what? (laughs) Yeah, I'm really sorry. Um, I would like to keep the fruit cup, but you can have my powder milk. I'm terrified, but I had to like have the, I need the fruit cup. And I'm like, she was pissed. And then I went up to some other ladies like later in the day. And cause I was there for like almost 24 hours, essentially, or like a little over. And I go up to these other ladies. And when I was entered into there, they asked me if I wanted to use the gym. And I'm like, yeah, I do work out already. And if I can avoid being in a cell or whatever, I'll just work out the whole time. And I asked these women, I'm like, oh, when do we get to use the gym? And they literally laughed at me and they're like, oh, you never been to prison before. And I was like, or jail before. And I was like, no, I did learn from some heroin addicts that they like 
they injected their in between their toes right before they knew they were going to get arrested so that they didn't have to come down as quickly. Um, I also saw some other women yell at another woman because they said, you stink so fucking bad. Get in the shower. We're going to beat your ass. So, um, one of the stories that I was a bitch and I did get the, the charges, which were like interfering with arrest. They were dropped because they were null and void. Um, and there was plenty of witnesses to attest to that, but still, um, so yeah, there was another dance with the devil where, you know, um, I was hammered and alcohol is poison. Let's just put the facts straight and shit like that happens if you're not really like fully in control of like your boundaries and your levels when it comes to drinking. So that was a wake up call, but I still like had so many years of like, oh, my crazy years, whatever. And I, there was, I mean, even my ex that we were together for four years, there was many times, and this is on me and I can finally take ownership of this and have peace about it. But there was times where I would be like, oh yeah, I'll come home. I'll be coming home over early or like, I won't be out late. I'm just getting a drink with some coworkers after work. Like, you know, I'm a server. We go out for a drink after and then I'd come home and I'd be hammered or I blacked out. And like, I stayed at my friend's house instead and didn't tell him. And it's just like, some people can go and have like, you know, a drink or two. I'm like, all right, good night. And that just wasn't me until I really harnessed my power and, and face my bullshit. Right. Um, and then when me and him broke up, that's when like three and a half years ago, that's when I actually faced my shit. And I was like, okay, you have no one else here. It's just you. And you are the reason for this energy. It's literally like your decisions, nothing else. There's no one else. Like you have to take ownership now. And when I had to face myself in the mirror with like a no bullshit lens, that's when I was like, all right, yep. I was, I'm doing this on repeat. I'm putting myself in this position. I'm making these decisions to get to this place. And even last summer, I actually got stopped drinking for two and a half months I think it was last summer. It might've been the summer before it was the summer before. I think now I can't remember, but recently I got, no, it was last summer. I got sober, um, for two and a half months. And I thought I was going to be like sober forever because I found myself in this empty cycle where I was like, where everyone else can just like have drinking as a part of their casual life. I just didn't, I had no balance balance. Like I was hammered. And then I was like letting men take the best of me because I'm drinking, going out with them and like excessively drinking and letting my inhibitions completely go. And I finally, you know, I was like, okay, I've accepted that I need to be sober. That's my reality. It's my mom's reality. Like some of us are just built this way. But then I realized I did not want to be I did not want to be in power, like successful in extremes. I wanted to be powerful in balance. And those couple months, though, I did things like I went to my friend's bachelorette party in Nashville, did not drink anything. And all my friends were shocked. They're like, I did not think you were actually going to do it. It's not a shot at me. It's like the reality. Like, that's the level of like how I would be on. It's like no self-control. And I had such a good time. And it validated that I'm like, okay, I am capable of drinking and having a good time. But I'm capable of staying completely sober, having just as good a time. And for that, that is when those boundaries come in of the lines that I'm like, I did this. Okay. I understand that. Or I drink this much, but I no longer sit there and just like, accept that I'm a genetically prone alcoholic, which I'm very aware of, but I'm also far too resilient. I am also far too powerful 
to sit there and let an excuse be the thing that dictates my decisions. Like if I don't like something about myself, then I need to dig deep and figure out how to maneuver better. Now I'm in like such a place of balance because I stopped letting my bullshit excuses have any weight in my life that now it's like I can call myself out, but I also know my boundaries. Like I don't have a desire to be that person that just like trigger, oh, I'm suddenly getting fucked up. I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I've had a couple drinks or me and my friends are drinking. We have a good time. But like, you know, and that comes with age and lessons. But I just think that I am so proud of myself that I have just stepped up every time for myself because I want more for me and that's it. And so like, I think that this episode was a good one to talk about because like alcohol has been something that's kind of always like loomed in my life and been a really hard, um, has hit me hard with a lot of lessons. And now it's like, I do drink and I'm a very balanced. I work out all the time. Like I, you know, it's, it's nothing crazy over here anymore. And I'm very thankful for the lessons and the funny stories I have along the way. But if anyone hears this and you kind of register of like, oh man, I'm in a cycle, like I'm doing this shit on repeat, like it's okay to check yourself, like check the fuck out of yourself, make yourself stop and go, why, what am I doing to get to this place? Like I'm part of this issue. And if you want better, just like, you know, face yourself first and understand what feels peaceful to you, what feels at balance for you. And like, that's how you curate true happiness. So Again, I wanted to share this episode. It's just like another vulnerable piece of like some real shit talking about that we don't really talk about and just being honest about it. So um, I hope you enjoyed the episode and have a great day.